Hello and welcome back to the Christian Contrast Podcast. We're back here in the studio. I'm joined with Dan. Hey guys. How you doing, Dan? It's great to be recording this again, to be back in the studio, to get to talk about some really cool things about how God is at work. This is really exciting. It's been uh, many months and we've been back down here in the studio. So uh, we're introducing a new series titled LBF Church Will Never Be the Same. I know it's it's dramatic, but we're going to be talking about the ways that uh, God has been working in our church and working in society at large, and the ways that leadership of the church have responded and thoughtfully dialogued about what it is that God is calling us to do in this very significant moment in our culture. Uh, Dan, why don't you give us a, a little bit of background of, of what it means to uh, really dialogue about how the church will never be the same yeah. and why that's not necessarily a bad thing. Yeah, and, and I know you alluded to it, but when when the pandemic started and people, I, I began to hear people talk about the idea of things will never be the same. Um, that was like universally upsetting to me. That doesn't like, sound good. Yeah, that there were just people, and there are still people saying like, we're never really going back to handshakes or we will, social distancing will become more regular or mass will become kind of a permanent part of our society. All of that just was deeply troubling to me. And so I think like a lot of people, um, whether it was out loud or not, in my head, I kept coming back to the desire and the terminology of normal. When are things going to get back to normal? When are things mm-hmm. going to go back to the way that they were so that our kids are back in school and we're back at Dodger games and concerts are happening and masks are a thing of the past? Like, when are we going to get back to normal? And after a period of time, I really felt like the Lord was saying, you got to drop that. Mm. Um, and, and actually... Oh, uh, I'll read for us. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, I ran across a passage in Isaiah 9 that I felt like spoke in a really pointed way about why we should not make the presumption that going back to normal is what God wants of us. Mm. And this comes right after the famous passage in Isaiah 9 about unto us a child is born, the prophecy about Jesus. So I'm starting in verse 8. It's not a happy passage as a preview. Okay. It says, The Lord has sent a message against Jacob. It will fall on Israel. All the people will know it, Ephraim and the inhabitants of Samaria, who say with pride and arrogance of heart, the bricks have fallen down, but we will rebuild with dressed stone. The fig trees have been felled, but we will replace them with cedars. But the Lord has strengthened Raisin's foes against them and has spurred their enemies on. Arameans from the east and Philistines from the west have devoured Israel with open mouth. Yet for all this, his anger is not turned away. His hand is still upraised. And so this is a judgment passage. Mm -hmm. Israel's being judged, and it's powerful because he says that people in Israel are saying in their arrogance— we are down, but we will rebuild. And as soon as I read that, it just really struck me mm. because of I, how many movies have have we all watched where a disaster happens and the president or the governor gets up and says, we will rebuild and right. we're stirred. And how many times, you know, whether it was 9-11 or Hurricane Katrina or or any number of things that have happened and we will rebuild. And just the assumption is built in of, as quickly as possible, things will return to the great way that they were before. And so dealing with the pandemic and in my heart consistently having the idea of when can we get back to that great way that things were before, there's a check of saying, wait a second, that doesn't seem to way, to be the way that God normally works in the right. world. Right. Um, God's not big on complacency. 
And there are some, I, I know for me, like I, when I think of things that I do want to, you know, sort of quote unquote, get back to normal, there are lots of things. Like I want our kids back in school with each other instead of doing it on Zoom. Yeah. Um, I want hugs to happen at church services right. without people feeling tentative. Bring hugs back. Yeah, well, I want to bring back hugs, even though I'm an introvert who likes my personal space. Yeah. Um, th- there are lots of things like that. The, the idea of saying, all right, it, it's not bad to long for some of those things. But the idea that we want to get back to normal sort of betrays just how easy our lives are in the United States. And it also betrays the assumption that we're thinking that the way that we were doing church before was exactly the way we were meant to be doing church. I I can't imagine that what's going on, that a part of what God is doing in the world does not involve waking up the church Mm. to get back to our mission and the core of our mission, and even stripping away some of the things that were on the edge that distracted from the mission so that we can be more on target. So the idea of saying we'll never be the same, there can be some grief that goes along yeah. with this, but when God transforms, a person is never the same. Right. When God grows a church in a powerful way, that church is never the same. So we as Christians should have a context. We believe in death and resurrection of our Lord and, and of us one day. The idea of never being the same can be an inviting, adventurous invitation to what God has in store for us. Yeah, absolutely. If we're following God and, and we're being discipled and we're growing, then at every moment we're, we're not the same person that we were. And if LBF Church is, is following uh, the mission that God has given it and, and to reach its community and its people and to spread the gospel, then uh, there's going to be maybe times faster than others that they change, but it'll never be the same because it'll continue to do what it needs to do to reach the people. I love that you bring up that verse because we talked about briefly, but when you think about stories in the Bible, our heroes of faith, uh, the amount of times that God is transforming them or society at large around them is being transformed, governments or even natural mm-hmm. disasters, uh, those are always integral parts of how this person was able to do the thing that God had called them to do. God, I didn't see many stories about what God's asked them, just do the same thing that you're doing, don't change, your life will be comfortable and you'll do big things for my kingdom. Absolutely. Instead, it's huge changes, you know, in some sense you could say global changes and and you know, huge national changes yeah. that are happening and some are, you know, God is directly causing those, but some even God is using those or the people are using that to to fulfill the thing that God has called them yeah. to do and they they're not necessarily excited even in the Bible when we read it to go through that, but we can see that those are the the times and the ways that God uh enacts his will for sure well and like you said i mean so many we we could just we could spend the whole rest of this time just going through bible stories on this but the story of jacob is one of my favorites Mm -hmm. and you think it so so jacob is this schemer he always has the upper hand he tricks esau which maybe wasn't his greatest resume move because esau was kind of dumb you know he tricks uh isaac in order to get the blessing he ends up going on the run and then God really brings Jacob through the ringer. Mm-hmm. He goes through difficult years where he kind of gets out Jacob to buy his father-in-law Laban, constantly a step ahead of him. And then he has all of this chaos with his wives and concubines and sons and all of this family chaos where suddenly all of his schemes are not really working the way that they used to. And then God brings him right up to the brink of meeting up with Esau, and he believes that Esau wants to kill him. So what happens to Jacob? He goes to sleep and he wrestles with God. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And after the wrestling match is over, Jacob leaves, leaves with a blessing, a new name, and a limp that he never gets over. Right. So I think Jacob was never the same. 
and not necessarily in a way that we'd say that was great. He was limping for the rest of his life because of this encounter with God, but he was forever changed because God brought him to the point of desperation where he knew his schemes couldn't be how he tried to get ahead in life. It mm-hmm. had to be a desperate clinging to God. Yeah. And so when I think about it, you, you could even look at the church right now and say, we feel kind of crippled because there are things that we really want to do that we think would bear fruit and do good things for for the Lord, and we're hampered in how we're able to do those. Mm-hmm. Um, it might even be a good way for us to think about it that there may be ways that we carry these limps with us, mm. um, that there are going to be people who, who are a part of our church family who have lost or experienced tragedy as a result of this, and that limp will always be with them. They won't be the same because of somebody that they lost or an mm. experience that they had. But that doesn't mean that the ultimate desire that we'd have is to wait out the clock, get back to normal, and go back to a full sprint. Um, God uses us in the limp, and in the limp, his power gets to be shown off. When yeah, Jacob yeah. is is robbed of his schemes, God gets to show off his power because it's no longer Jacob's brilliant conniving. It's now God's great power bringing about things. Absolutely. Even the very idea of the word uh, restrictions, like we're yeah. restricted and we can't do the things we want to do. I don't think God would... Very little things God would see as a restriction because, his, first of all, the things that he wants to do through his kingdom and for us to love, to love others and to spread the gospel... Uh, Think things can't stop that. Those happen in countries yeah. where you literally are legally allowed. You can't do that, and those don't, those don't stop. And so, even the very idea of maybe we should wait out these restrictions so we can go back to doing ministry the way before. God would be like, "What? What restrictions? You can still be the church. You know, there's people. Other people are also experiencing the same restrictions and need the gospel. Absolutely. You know? Well, yeah. I mean, you think of Paul in prison. Like, talk about a restriction. Paul is proclaiming the gospel to while he's in chains to other people. Not only is he writing letters, but he's seeing this as an opportunity. He's appealing to Caesar so that he can stand before kings. Mm-hmm. And so it, what you're saying is so true. The, the idea that we would look at something like this and say, oh, the work of God can't thrive in this. In the same way that the apostle Paul for a little while thought, I can't thrive as a servant of God with this thorn in the flesh. Right. And Jesus says, no, it's staying. The mm-hmm. work of God is going to thrive more in your weakness. Mm-hmm. And so I think we, we you know, and, and even as we're talking about this, it's not that the two of us or our church leadership has it worked out and we're like, here's exactly why it's better and God's going to work more clearly sure. through this. We're like, we, yeah, we're knows. in the dark on this. We're, we're trying to figure this out. But we know God. And we know who God is, and we know how God works, so we can have that kind of confidence to say, if God thought the pandemic was a threat to his plan, the pandemic would have been over long ago. Right. Like, he would have had us at—if if Governor Newsom is standing in the way of what God is going to do through here, God is more than capable of, of raising up kings and removing kings. That was the whole King of the Kings series in First Samuel. Yeah. So we do get to have the hope of walking through this time and saying, if God has us in this, there's a reason for it. His sovereignty has not gone away. And I think we, like, we, we both have seen in our lives and in the lives of fellow church members— things that God has done that it's very hard to see how those things would have happened without some of these very frustrating restrictions that we've had. God has forced families into a situation where suddenly they had to be together a lot, and for some, it didn't 
it it hasn't gone amazing. Yeah, man. For some, it's it's what keeps me going at times when I'm discouraged. I think of the different families in our church that man, they are just they are thriving. Mm -hmm. They are seeking the Lord together. Parents discipling their kids like they never had before. Families connecting at a deep level, taking responsibility. People connecting in their marriages. People rethinking how many sports their kids need to be involved with because they're yeah. realizing it's kind of nice for us to have downtime. There are things that God is doing and ways that God is at work that it's very hard to see how that would have happened if God hadn't benched us yeah. and put us in a situation where we sort of had to face some of these things wow. that we probably wouldn't have faced on our own. Yeah, that's it's really powerful, Dan. It, it feels like a lot of internal work. It's like we yeah. would have been so focused on external things. You know, wh where are we going next? What are we doing next? Um, which are which are which are great when you can do those things, but it feels like the things you're saying is like God is asking us. There's a lot of internal healing, internal work that I need you to do. Yeah, and it's happened because of these things. I think so, and I think not not only that, but just as we think, and and certainly beyond our church, but as we think of our church, um, it's become harder to be involved in church during this time. Sort yeah. of like in some ways, you could say when we were just doing online, it's like, well, it's easy. Sit there in your PJs and you know eat cereal and watch and mute it if you don't like it. <laughs> so in some ways, you could say, all right, well, well, it was easier. But now that churches are regathering, it does take a little bit more of an effort. You you have to make more of a conscious decision, especially if you were sitting home for a couple months and now you're saying, well, do I return? Right. So I think overall, we could look at that and say, well, that's a bad thing that it takes more effort to involve yourself in the life of the church. But uh, pause and say, maybe that's not a bad thing. Yeah. Um, maybe it's a good thing that it takes us some effort to fulfill God's calling for our life, because when it's so easy for us to do some of these things, we probably end up not doing them the way that the Lord is calling us to do them. Yeah. Um, our, our faith is meant to be costly. Um, our faith is meant to be risky. Mm -hmm. And if we're living as believers in the United States and our faith in Jesus is costing us nothing, we're not really following Jesus. Right. And so just even being in a time where we're more conscious of the fact that this is costly and mm -hmm. then mm -hmm. thinking of like, well, gosh, I mean, believers in North Korea living under persecution and mm -hmm. believers in the early church that met in the tombs so yeah. that they could actually meet together. And we're frustrated because we're like, ah, I got to wear a mask. Like it, it is definitely revealing some things, mm -hmm. and it's been sad because with some people we've experienced. Well, this is revealed that you have a rotten attitude and aren't even aren't even willing to sacrifice a little bit. Yeah. But I, I firmly believe that with other people, this is going to solidify their their faith because having to make more of an effort is preparing them. It's strengthening those muscles in yeah. us to say, "I'm willing to do difficult things in order to follow Jesus." And in a lot of our lives in the United States, we may have the perception that that hasn't been required of us. And now at some level, it is being required of us. Yeah, yeah, that's really good. That kind of brings me to the next thing. I'd like to, Russ, to spend a few moments uh, going over the next maybe three episodes and things that we want to talk about, yeah. specifically how we as a church are, are kind of uh, walking through these changes and some of the discussions that we've had on staff. When you, when you talk about church and COVID and, and, and convenience, you know, it reminds me a lot about some of the discussions that we've had as leadership is like, how much of that is the way we've been doing church? Yeah. You know, we've had a lot of discussions about Absolutely. that. So why don't you tell us a little bit about the upcoming episode that we'll probably talk a little bit more about um, how LBF is kind of walking through its next stages and using the pandemic as 
as a, a way to learn about yeah. who God wants us to be. Yeah, for sure. We're, we're going to do an episode that is going to just be about how we as LBF have looked to navigate through the the season of the pandemic, the season of COVID that we're still in. Um, and part of it is meant just to to give an inside look because we we've made decisions that that for people like you and I we we understand why we've made different choices. And we've got people who are part of our church that may be going along with it and and trusting us, but they haven't seen the internal struggling. They haven't seen the the discussions and the back and forth and the fact that we're aware of other options and here's why we made this decision. Mm -hmm. So part of it is just to say, we're, we're not looking to hide that stuff. We want people to be aware of that because there may be church members that end up disagreeing and saying, I think that another call should have been made. But I think just even seeing the process hopefully will be helpful in saying, and we, we are looking to be led by the Lord here. Um, and another part of it is just what you were talking about, saying, what are the things that we've learned during this time where we as a church leadership are saying, let's not just rush back into what we used to do. Let's prayerfully think. And maybe some things that we already know, we're not going back to that in the mm. same way. And other things that we're currently saying, let's not assume that we're meant to go back to that in the same way. Maybe there are things that we've seen during this time that we feel like God has has thrust upon us a situation that we didn't ask for, and now we want to pause before just going back to, to business as usual. Mm. So that's going to be one of the episodes that we'll do in dealing with the church watch, walking through COVID. Yeah, yeah. That's good. I know another one that we want to talk about is, is racism, you know, racism and culture, and even uh, how the church plays a part in that and how the church is a part of that solution. And uh, I don't know, we've talked about it a lot, so I do know, uh, you know, some of your perspective, but for me, you know, uh, racism has never been more of a discussion than it is today in my life, you mm -hmm. know, being, being born in the eighties and having this really a false view of like the racism work has been done by people in the civil rights and all the and Jim Crow laws, all those things have been overturned. And so by and large, you know, we don't live within racism. And, and the thing that I struggled with is that that kind of go against of what I actually saw. I saw racism mm -hmm. all the time, you know? And, but what I learned is, is that I guess it's not really something that we talk about, you know, or, you know, you just don't have those conversations. Maybe from a white perspective, I'm not going to bring up racism in, in a setting that I don't have a lot to share from experience. And I think that, you know, uh, from a church perspective, you know, we're trying to, to do what it is that God wants us to do within that. And like, like we said earlier in kind of the COVID stuff, we don't have a lot of solid plans of what exactly God is going to do with these, these racial discussions and, and concerns and even protests happening within our country. But we know that God is asking us to be a part of that solution and to, and be a part of uh, how we can to listen to other people's perspectives and how we as at LBF can be a place where um, the, the history and the current state of racism in America can be discussed and, and can be dialogued and to be a place that we look for solutions and look to, to listen to others. And so, yeah, we, we loved, we're going to have a conversation just about how um, maybe even some, some of the um, perspectives that we've had are changing and how God might want to use us uh, to really make a difference in the lives of people in our community. Yeah, and I think that's going to be a, part of the reason why I think the discussion about race is going to be so significant is because a lot of Christians right now, I think, feel caught between two bad options mm -hmm. on this, that, that there's more like, all right, well, do I just go full board with sort of the woke critical theory uh, ideas? 
am I instead on the other side where I think, as you were talking about, the problem's basically solved. Why are we even talking about this? And so I think it is important for us to to look for the Christian guidance on this because I think Christians often do feel like we're caught between two bad options, neither of which sound awesome. And I think that there is a different way that Jesus is calling us. Yeah, and it's kind of like, you know, we we don't necessarily feel like people are asking us to to have more discussions about racism from from within our church and our community, but it's like you look at what's happening, it's like maybe we do need to have more, and we just don't know how to do that yet, or we don't know how to do that well, yeah. and that we're going to dig dig into that and find out how do we do that in a way that's honoring God and honoring people. Yeah, and that also offers something other than the bad solutions that the world is coming up with. Sure. Because we've got God guiding us in this, and so I think there is something that there's there's us equipping ourselves, and there's also something where we really do have something to offer the world that is beyond sort of a secular humanistic solution right. to a problem. And that yeah. that even, one of the other episodes that we're gonna do is gonna have to do sort of with the church's relationship with politics, mm-hmm. which has obviously been a huge issue. I mean, it's the, po- the political part of the pandemic has been a huge point of discussion. And then obviously with the presidential election happening that we, we as believers in the United States think about politics a lot, but in a presidential election year, it just goes crazy. It's like all we talk about. It's, it's all we talk about. And it is a challenge to try to figure out, all right, what, what does it look like for us to engage as salt and light, as agents of light in our community and in the political sphere instead of ignoring that because Christians aren't called to turn a blind eye to how we're light in the society. And at the same time to avoid the traps of being caught up in seeing a political a- achievement or a political end as the core mission of the church and how we can be hijacked and how we can get off message, which it's a weird thing to say, but how we can mm-hmm. we can be diverted from our true message, which is way better than this person is president. Our message is Jesus is Lord. Yeah. And so getting into that and making sure that we are talking about that and wrestling through it and wrestling through the fact that even though as Christians we have one creed that doesn't work itself out to utter alignment on right. every political question right. and how we work within that in in gracious and thoughtful ways. Yeah, it feels like that feels like a part of the tension. Like you can have literally a million positions when it comes to political positions, but how does that align with the one truth of God? Yeah. Like this is God's truth. This is the way God works in the world. It's not going to match all of those different ones. So what it is what is it God calling us to do? Yeah. Yeah, that's really good. Yeah, and so we'll we'll be wrestling through this stuff, and on all these issues, and on other issues, we we want to embrace the idea. We want to embrace the adventure that God is calling us to. We want to take the risk of faith and say, you know what, transformation is better than quote unquote safety. Mm-hmm. That growth is better than complacency, and we don't often feel that way because it feels like a lot of work. But we really, really want to trust God on this, that we believe that death and then resurrection is better than a perpetually bland existence where we're just getting by. Yeah. Um, the church will never be the same. It's not supposed to be the same because God's consistently transforming us. Good. Thanks, Dan. Thanks, everyone, for listening to this uh, kind of introduction uh, podcast on what the next series is, is going to be like. We just really wanted to give uh, to everyone in our churches kind of an authentic view of what it's like to for the church and the pastors to really, you know, uh, dialogue through these things and 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 discern what it is that God would want us to do. As always, 
We really would love um, any comments and questions. If you listen to these or watch these, we almost always post them on social media and we'd love to just hear uh, what your thoughts are and uh, how it is that God is transforming you and how it is that you'll never be the same because of what as God is doing in the world. So thanks everyone for listening and we'll see you at the next one.